We'll start the Rashi Shir tonight with Perak Bet, Pasuk Yutet. And there it says, V'yitzeh Hashem Elokim min ha'adama kol chayat ha'sadeh ve'et kol of ha'shemayim. Hashem, God Hashem formed from the ground all the beasts of the field, ve'et kol of ha'shemayim, all the birds of the heaven, v'yavei el ha'adam, and he brought to the man, lirot ma'yikralo, to see what he would call, what, it, what he would call it, and we did the first part of Rashi last time, and now we're on the second part of Rashi, where it begins, And Rashi says, which means, change the order and explain it. And this is a comment that Rashi makes from time to time. And it's important to understand what Rashi is saying. He's not saying that the Torah is written in the wrong order. We're not talking about the chronological order question. We're talking about the question of the simple, the syntax, the order of the words in the Pasuk. Because the order of the words in the Pasuk are problematic. What we have, and I'll say it in English, he brought to the man to see what he would call it, and all that he called it, the man, Nefesh Chaya, living soul, who Shemo. And that sounds like it means the man called each animal nefesh chaya, which doesn't make sense. So Rashi is saying the words in their existing order don't make sense, and we have to change the order. Now again, what does that mean? Does that mean the Torah is written in the wrong order and that Rashi has to come and correct it? No, it means the Torah is written in the right order. But in order to understand the meaning, we have to understand it as if it's written in a different order. And of course, then we have to understand why it's written in the order in which it's written. So he's going to rewrite the order in, to help us understand. So he's going to say the meaning is as if it were written in the following order. Kol nefesh chaya, ashe lo ha'adam, shem, hu shemola olam. So he's put the nefesh chaya before the ashe lo ha'adam. Whereas in the Pasuk, it's ashe lo ha'adam followed by nefesh chaya. Which, as I said, sounds like the name which the man gave it was Nefesh Chaya, which it wasn't because each animal is called by a different name. Um, but so the way Rashi rewrites it, all the living souls which were called by the man Shem, a name, which isn't in the Pasuk, Rashi added in that word, who Shemo, that is its name. And then Rashi adds the word La'olam, forever. And we'll come back to that. So the first thing that Rashi said is, if you read it the way it's written in the Torah, it doesn't make sense. So I'm telling you, says Rashi, the way in which to read it in order for it to make sense. And his revised syntax, if you like, does make sense. All the living souls which were called a name by the man, that became its name forever. So the obvious question then is, why isn't it written in that order? Now, you could say Rashi doesn't have to answer that question. Rashi's just pointing out that it's easier to understand in a different order, but that's not really satisfactory. If Rashi's saying that it's, you, have, you can't understand it in this order, then the question is obvious, why is it in this order? So someone to say it's in this order to tell you that the process of giving it a name was the process by which it became a nefesh chaya. In other words, if you look at the Pasuk, in the order in which it's written, all which the man named it, 
nefesh chaya, that became a nefesh chaya. In other words, although it looks like nefesh chaya is the name which he gave it, which obviously it isn't, because he didn't call every animal nefesh chaya, nevertheless, the, the order of the Pasuk, the original order of the Pasuk, tells us that the process of naming then became nefesh chaya. So it became a nefesh chaya through the process of naming. But nefesh chaya is not the, sub, the object of yikra loha adam. It's not the name that he gave. So that's what Rashi is doing. He's saying, in order to understand really what the Pasuk is, is saying, that the Pshat of the Pasuk, is you have to read it as if it's in a different order. But nevertheless, there is ne- uh, a meaning to the, the actual order, and that's the meaning that I've suggested. Okay, what does Rashi add by the word Olam, Which Rashi takes pains to add. Basically, what he's doing in this section is rewriting the words of the Pasuk, putting them in a different order. But he's added two words. One word he added was Shem. Asher Yikra'a Loha Adam Shem. So I think the answer to that is it's it sort of implied, but it's not explicit, so he has to add it. But the word La'olam is not necessary. If, if Rashi hadn't added the word La'olam, we'd have all been absolutely happy. So what does the word La'olam mean? And perhaps what it means is, what was this process of calling animals by name? Okay, so... There's, there's, there's various meanings that you could understand by calling an animal by a name. So he sees a dog and he says, oh, Fido. That's not what it means. Or he sees a giraffe and he says, oh, you've got a long neck. Ha <laughs> ha, I'll call you long neck. That's not what it means. And if it were, the Torah wouldn't have bothered to tell us. The Torah is telling us there's something fundamental going on here. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu is part of the process. How do I know HaKadosh Baruch Hu is part of the process? Because Hashem brought all the animals to the man, Lirot Ma Lo, to see what he would call it. And it's not about the man giving names to his pets or giving funny appellations based on their size or shape. The fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu brings the animals to the man to see what the man will call them shows there's something fundamental about the names that he is giving them. And Rashi explains that with that one word. These names that he gives them are la'olam. What does it mean that they're forever? Does it mean we can't be bothered to come up with another name, so we'll just stick with the old one? No, it doesn't mean that. It means this is the core of what the animal is. When Adam sees a dog and he calls it Kalev, there's something intrinsic about Kalev. Sorry, Kalev is one of the spies. There's something intrinsic that makes this animal a Kalev and not something else. And when he sees, and you can carry on, when he sees a cow and he calls it a para, there's something intrinsic about that name. And that explains why Hashem wants the man to identify the animals, to give them this identity. And as we've said, to make them into a nefesh chaya. And because that is their ultimate name, it's, it goes to the core of their being, Rashi says it becomes the name Olam. It's not a transitory name, which we wouldn't be that interested in, it's the fundamental essence of what the animal is. Okay. Yes? Um, just on that really quickly, there's, I don't know much about like a gematria or like, I don't know, underpinnings of names, but there is, especially with Judaism, especially with, uh, I guess, Hebrew names or Hebrew mm-hmm. names to animals, there's like intrinsic tricks about that name or like uh, it follows on with whatever, I don't know, special meanings, which make sense and good connections. Mm-hmm. And like, if we say that Adam Arishon named them, like, 
then he had the Ruach HaKodesh? Like, I yes, guess in that yes. way that it was sort of God naming through it. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly the point. He, he had... Not, not just that God gave him, but God, not, not God only brought them in front of him, but also God... Like well, with the I, I, okay, it doesn't say that explicitly, and I don't want to talk about something that's not said explicitly. Certainly what I'm saying is the names are fundamental and intrinsic to the core of the identity of the species. Um, and maybe that's some sort of gematria or some sort of other ways of explaining what the letters mean, but we're not, we're not going there because Rashi doesn't go there. Um, I think HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as it were, delegates to the man the power of identifying the animals and by giving them their name, which is going to last Le'olam forever. Does that mean he gives him Ruach HaKodesh? Um, possibly, that would be a good way of explaining it. It certainly means that HaKadosh Baruch Hu identifies the great Chochmah, the great wisdom that the man is already imbued with. Interestingly, he hasn't eaten from the Eitzadat yet, but he's clever enough to name the animals, and Rashi will talk about that. So whether it's what we call Ruach HaKodesh, I don't want to say for sure, but it could be. Yes? I know he's not, and that's uh, is so. The question for those who didn't hear it, and the podcast listeners for those who didn't hear it, <laughs> is that uh, is Rashi anchoring? Good word. Um, his explanation in any particular word in the pasuk. Um, the answer to that must be no, because he has to add an extra word, the word la olam, to emphasise that point. I think what is driving Rashi is the very process that he's describing, uh, that the pasuk is describing. The, well, the fact, two things. The fact that it says it, so it must be significant. Because if it wasn't significant, the Torah wouldn't say it. But in the process, we see that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is bringing the animals to the man so the man can name them. So that must be very special. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, is making this happen, it must be highly significant. And then from that, we say that the name that Adam is giving them is the core of their being. Okay. Pasuk Kaf. Now, interestingly, Pasuk Rashi take comments on Kaf and Kaf Aleph together. So we'll read Kaf and we'll read the beginning. Well, no, we'll read the whole of Kaf Aleph, but there's a lot more to say on Kaf Aleph. But we'll read them together because Rashi reads them together. So Kaf says, Adam So the man called names to all the animals and the birds of the heavens and all the beasts of the field. Ula Adam Lomatsa Eza Kenegdo. And to the man he did not find an Eza Kenegdo. What was an Eza Kenegdo? An Eza Kenegdo was the solution to the problem in Pasuk Yudchet. What was wrong in Pasuk Yudchet? Lotov Hayota Adam Levado, which we explained as man's being alone is not good. And Hashem said, Eselo Eza Kenegdo. So I'll make for him an Eza Konegdo, which Rashi translated as what well, he uh, Zacha Eza Lo Zacha Konegdo, um, something that will be well, if he, if man merits it will be a help, but if man does not merit it will be against him. So some sort of partner. And now in Pasuk Yudtet, Hashem brings all the animals to Adam, and in Pasuk Kaf we read that Adam didn't find an Eza Konegdo. So now we understand the, the juxtaposition of all these incidents, that Yudchet is an attempted solution to Yudchet. Yudchet is, Hashem says, I need an Eza Konegdo. Yudchet says, how about one of the animals? Because he brings all the animals. 
And Pasuk Kaf says clearly, Ula Adam lo matza eza kenegdo. And then Kaf Aleph continues, Vayapel Hashem Elokim tardema al ha'adam. Hashem made a deep sleep fall on the man. Vayishan, and he slept. Vayikach echat mitzalotav. And he, it's Hashem, took one of his tzalotav. We'll leave that untranslated until we get there. Vayiskor basar tachtena. And he closed up the flesh underneath it. So to see what Rashi does, and again, it's significant that Rashi puts Kaf and Kaf Aleph together in one comment. And on the words, Ula Adam Lomatsa Ezer, Vayapel Hashem Elokim Tardema. You see, he takes the end of Kaf and the beginning of Kaf Aleph, and as it were, makes it run on and comments on them together. And Rashi's comment is, Kesha Hivian, Hivian Lefanav Kolmin Vemin Zachav Nekeva. When he brought them, he brought them before him, all species, male and female. Amar, he said, that's Adam, in case you're wondering, Lukulam yesh ben zug, veli ein ben zug. Everyone has a partner. I don't have a partner. Miyad, immediately, vayapel. He made him, made the deep sleep fall. So what is Rashi saying? Just as I said that it's now clear that Yud Tet is a response to Yud Chet, Rashi is saying very explicitly, Kaf Aleph is the response to Kaf. That because, that why did Hashem make Adam fall asleep in Kaf Aleph? Why now? Rashi says it's because of what happened in Kaf. So Vayapel Hashem Elokim Taradema is the response to Ola Adam Lo Matzah that the man didn't find a, let's just call it a partner for the moment, um, amongst the animals. Which also means, now why would Adam become aware of the lack of partnership? Why would he think that he's going to find a partner amongst the animals? In fact, does this mean that he's going to find a partner amongst the animals? Well, bear that in mind, because when we get to Posit Kaf Gimel, which is going to be a very, very big discussion, uh, I'll just say, we're going to get to Posit Kaf Gimel, and there's going to be a big discussion. <laughs> but right now, Ula Adam lo Kenegdo. Notice the way Rashi explains it, it's not that, Rashi, that Adam was looking for a mate, and eh, it wasn't a mate. But he noticed that all the animals were paired up, male and female, and he wasn't. So then he senses the lack, and that lack needs to be rectified. And Rashi says the rectification then come immediately in Kafalov. But not that Adam didn't find a mate per se, but rather that Adam noticed that all the animals were paired up and he wasn't paired up. Okay, let's move on with Kaf, uh, with Kaf Aleph. Because then he says, um, while he slept, he took one of his, what do we all say? Ribs. What does Rashi say? Misitrav, from his sides. How do we see the word sela meaning side? So Rashi is going to give an example. Ulet sela ha-mishkan. And the side of the mishkan. mishkan. The mishkan didn't have a rib. And when it says sela ha-mishkan, it means the side of the mishkan. So let me tell you. The Gemara gives two possible interpretations of what went on at this point. And neither of them imply rib. The Gemara in Eruvin says, uh, sorry, Gemara in Brachas says that there's two opinions. One is that Adam Arishon, before this moment, was like two people stuck together. 
um, one of a male form and one of a female form. And then what happened next was Hashem split them into two. And that's where you get a male and a female. That's one suggestion in the Gemara. And the other suggestion is that Adam Harishan had a tail and the tail was cut off. And the tail was then turned into Chava. Now, um, you look discomforted. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the rib, I'm afraid, I don't know how the uh, Koran translates Salah. No. Ta- oh, it's not even got a translation there. So the rib is not actually found, uh, at least in that part of the Gemara, um, and it's not found here in Russia. Now, let me say at this point, in order to explain the next few comments. Um, well, let's look at the first comment. Okay, let's look at Rashi on Mitzalotav, where it says, what does Mitzalotav mean? From, it doesn't mean rib, it's from his side. Kamo, like Ulatzela HaMishkan, the side of the Mishkan. Zehu Shamru, and that, I'm going to say, fits with what they said in the Gemara. Shnei Partsufim Nivra'u. He was created, or they were created, with two faces. But the original Adam Harishon didn't look like a person today. It looked like two people stuck together. It was a single entity. It's not correct to say it was hermaphrodite. Hermaphrodite is something else. That's something with both male and female um, indications. Um, It was two people stuck together. And the process of what goes on here was splitting the two. Now, what I wanted to say was, there is a discussion. Is Rashi just deciding with one opinion in the Gemara? Or does he actually leave the door open for both? Now, I actually think it's quite consistent. And for the purposes of this year, it's easier to say he takes one side. No pun intended. He takes the side <laughs> of saying that the original Adam Arishan was, well, was two people stuck together. And he says that quite clearly here. Zehu she'amru shenei paratsufim nivra'u. They were created with two faces. And when it says he took one of his sides, what it means is he separated the two. So one side is there and one side is there. And that's what happened when the deep sleep fell on Adam. Are you all shocked that it wasn't a rib? Okay, no, good, fine. Okay. By the way, I mean, it does create a whole new concept of this creation of male and female. Because, of course, if it is a rib, then it's something very subsidiary. It's like a little part of Adam is then turned into a woman. And that, I think, creates an impression of what we have to say about where women come from. If, however, it was that the original creature was male and female stuck together, then there's no hierarchy. And when they're split, you get male and female um, without suggesting that one's more lowly than the other. Anyway, yes. Zachar Nekeva Baraltan. He created the male and female. almost perfectly Yes, it does. And you're right, and he doesn't. And Rashi actually says differently, because Rashi says in the sense that this is the recap, this is the detailed... Um, uh, Which it would be the detailed, because like, first you're told it's just male and female, and the second time it's actually accounted like how that split, like how that... Yeah, but it, I, I think actually it's... So you're saying that in Perak Aleph, where it says he made the male and female, that sounds like stage one, and then he splits them in stage two. Is that what you're thinking? Yes, but then, but it leaves open in sta- in Perikalaf. It doesn't say how they came to be split. It just says they were created, and briefly, it says they ended up male and female. Yes. Um, is it something to note that the animals were created male, female, like 
Um, that's an interesting point. Um, I'm pretty sure the animals created male and female separately, and we will come back to that. Uh, it probably won't be tonight, but when we get to Pasuk Kaf Dalad, remind me of that point, because I think it's alluded to, the difference between animals and humans is alluded to in Pasuk Kaf Dalad. Yes? Just extending that question, how was it the natural tendency of animals to be head up, but not yet the natural tendency of man to have a partner? Well, because there was no partner for man to have. There was a tendency, that's exactly what Rashi's saying, yeah. that Anne wanted a partner like the animals have, yeah. um, but he didn't have it because he was all on his own. Yes? Was he alone or was he complete? Like, as in, he is, by definition, together. <laughs> as, as in, there's, there's two sides. Like, well, I don't know if it's two okay, so, Hashem, like, so in Pasuk Yudhet, um, the Pasuk said, Lo Adam Levado, which Rashi, by the way, explained it as not that Adam felt this is existential loneliness, more of the lonely man of faith type of idea. Rashi didn't go there at all, but said this man being alone is a problem because it will look like there's only one power down on earth and that will rival the one power in heaven, etc. So Rashi doesn't say that Adam felt some sense of loneliness, except this little comment here in Pasukaf that he noticed all the other animals were paired up and he said, I don't have a pair. That's the closest Rashi gets to the sort of psychoanalysis of, Rashi, uh, of Adam. But clearly, in a sense, he wasn't complete um, because Hashem needed to complete him by making male and female. He also wasn't alone. Like, I guess, I, well, we, we didn't say he's alone, sorry. Okay. Like, uh, 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 okay, if we fit, f- follow the opinion, which we say Rashi is following, but there, were, there, there was a single entity but with two faces, I don't know if it means they talk to each other. And they like, chatted to each other at the end of the day and said, you know, how was your day left half? And my day was fine right half. <laughs> I don't know if that's what it means. Anyway, but what we do know is Hashem felt the need to create two. And then I, I've alluded again already to Pasuk Kaftalot, which talks about how the two become one through the process of two becoming one. Okay, um, let's keep going because the next comment of Rashi is Vyaskor. Yes? And his, the angels. Yes. So that's like a wimp? Yes. Do you know? Like, I mean, I guess you could understand that his side was deficient, or is it saying that one side was. Okay, I'll have to be honest there and say I don't know. We'd have to, I'd have, you've already looked up the puzzle. I'd have to look it up um, with the Mephoshim and see if we can make a connection between the seller there and the seller here. Rashi obviously doesn't, at least at this point. Rashi says the word seller means side, and he brings the proof from the Mishkan. So we'll leave that as an interesting question. Okay. Vayiskor. Rashi says, Vayiskor, he closed. Rashi has to add, Makom ha-chatach, the place of the cut, uh, the wound, the scar. Um, so uh, the, how we understand this Rashi depends on what I said earlier. Do we understand that Rashi is consistently following the opinion that there were two halves stuck together and they were split? Or do we say that Rashi actually is hedging his bets? I want to stick to the first interpretation that Rashi is consistently saying there were two halves, two, two people stuck together that were split. In which case, why does it need to say Vayizkor? Because if it was just splitting them aside, you might think there's no wound, there's no cut to deal with. 
So why does the Pesach say he is Kor? And the answer is because, says Rashi, there was a cut. There was a, there was a wound. There was a um, tear, I suppose. Um, don't think that they were easily rent asunder by like some sort of zip, but there actually had to be some sort of what you might call an operation to split them apart, and that led to a makom chahatach, a place of um, a place where there was a cut. Okay, the next Rashi is Vayishan. Now, incidentally, Rashi's gone out of order here. Uh, Rashi only does that for a reason. In the Pasuk, the word Vayishan appears before the word Vayizkor. Um, uh, but in Rashi, he explains Vayizkor before he explains Vayishan. And perhaps that's because Vayizkor is intrinsically related to the idea of the, um, the Tzela Otav. Having said that he took one from the sides, um, that then Rashi has to straight away say that he uh, closed up because that was the process of separating the sides. I've just noticed something I hadn't noticed before, um, that Mitzalatav is also after, uh, is, is in the Pasuk after Vayashan. So Vayashan is completely out of order. Vayashan should have been mentioned first, before Mitzalatav and before Vayizkor. Um, but let's read Vayashan and we'll see if we can understand a little bit why. Because on the words Vayashan Vayakach, says Rashi, which means he slept and he took, he Hashem. The, the man slept and the Hashem took. Shalo yireh chatichat basar, that Hashem should, sorry, the man should not see the cutting of the flesh. Shemimenu nivrat, that she was created from him. Vetit bazar elav, and then she would be um, disgraced on him, disgraced in his eyes. If he saw exactly the process by which she was taken from him, then he would have some resentment to her. So Rashi says that's why Hashem had to cause him to stay asleep. Because otherwise we don't need sleep. Why does Hashem need to make him sleep? After all, the Pasuk says at the beginning, Hashem made this deep sleep fall on man. Why was that necessary? Would Adam Rishon need an anesthetic? No, uh, there'd be no reason that he had to be asleep. So Rashi gives the reason why he had to be asleep. Um, I'm still stuck. Uh, I thought I had the answer, but I don't actually. Why Rashi puts the comments on Mitzalatav and Vayizkor before Vayashan. If it had just been Vayizkor, I could have handled that. But it's because it's Mitzalatav and Vayizkor before Vayashan. Any ideas? No, okay. <laughs> then we go on to Pasuk Kafbet. And Pasuk Kafbet says, Vayiven Hashem Elohim et hatzela asher lakach. And Hashem Elohim built the side which he had taken, min ha'adam, from the man, le'isha, um, to woman, vayavi'eha el ha'adam. And he brought it, sorry, brought her to the man. Now, there's loads to say, and this is essentially the first wedding, and a Kaddish Baruch Hu is the Shadchan. Um, there's lots of nice things to say, but we're sticking to Rashi. And Rashi says, Vayiven. And he has a comment on the word Vayiven. He built. And Rashi says, Kabinyan. It means it was like a building. Rachva milamata, the Katsara milamala. Wide at the bottom and narrow at the top. Le Kabel Havlad to receive the embryo. Okay, now um, I have to stress immediately that this is not talking about women being wide at the bottom and narrow at the top. 
Uh, although Rashi isn't clear on this point, when Rashi comments on, the, on these words in the Gemara where they first appear, he says we're talking about the womb. We're talking about the shape of the womb um, because he, and, and that is clear because he's talking about whatever it is um, that he's talking about is the uh, Kabel Havlad, to accept the um, embryo. So which part of a woman accepts an embryo and holds the embryo? We're talking about the uterus, we're talking about the womb. And I'm not a great uh, gynecologist here, but I've, it, I've got a vague understanding that it's narrow at the top and the wide at the bottom. Why does Rashi have to say this? Okay, I don't want to get into too many details here. You can probably sense a little bit of my discomfort here, um, but we'll keep going, we'll plow on. Why does Rashi have to understand kabin, the word vayiven as kabinyan? And it follows... Who's, who's a medical student here? You are? Okay. It follows from, from our understanding of the, what's going on here. If it's two people stuck together and he splits them into two, then he doesn't need to do any building because the, the woman part is already built. Now, if it was that there's a tail being cut off and the tail is then built up into the Isha, that would perhaps make more sense. But Rashi having said that that the original man was created with two faces and the process is therefore just splitting into two, there is no need for building. And that's why Rashi says, when it says it means that what he's creating is like a building. So what part of a woman is like a building? Answer, as quoting Rashi on the Gemara, it's her womb, um, which is Rachba Milamata, the Katsara Milamala, which is wide at the bottom and narrow at the top, the Kabel Havlat, to receive the embryo. And then in order to explain more about this building, he says, Ka'otza Shalchitim, like a storehouse of grain, Shahu Rachav Milamata, the Katsara Milamala, which is also pyramidical shaped, wide at the bottom and narrow at the top, Shalo Yachbid Masao Al Kirotav, that the weight should not be heavy on the walls. Because if it were an inverted pyramid, then the weight of what's being stored would pull down on the walls and would bring down the entire structure. So if you want to store something, a pyramid shape is a good place to do it because what what is stored at the top will not weigh down on what's at the bottom. So he says that's the binyan that fits with the woman who's being created that part of the woman, namely the, the bit that holds the embryo, is shaped in a pyramidal structure so that the top does not weigh down on the bottom. Okay, medical student, is there any truth in your anthropological understanding? Is a uterus shaped that way? It's an inverted pyramid? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Sorry, Ian, that needs further study. When, 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 when there's a baby, when there's a baby gestating, is it still inverted pyramid? I don't know. Okay. I think we'll move on. Vayiven et hatsela le'isha. And he built the tsela le'isha. Now, here's an interesting Rashi, and it's fairly simple what's going on here. Rashi says, le'hiot isha. What does Lehiyot Isha mean? 
to be a woman. But why does Rashi have to say that? If you look at the words, how else could you have understood that? To the woman. He built the or, or better still, for the woman. And I had a Pasuk here which was a, a different way of reading it. Uh, yes, if you look at Perak Gimel Pasuk Kaf Aleph. Let's all turn to Perak Gimel Pasuk Kaf Aleph. This is the very end of the story of eating from the fruit. What happened at the very end? Um, we find the Yas Hashem Elokim la Adam Uli Ishto Ketonet Or Hashem made for the man and for his wife Ketonet Or um, clothes of skin. Doesn't mean we don't need to worry about what, what's going on there. We'll find out when we get there. But you see the same construction. The Yas Hashem Elokim la Adam. And it means Hashem made for the man. So you might think that this pasuk here means um, He built the side for the woman. And it obviously doesn't mean that. It means he built the side to become the woman. And that's why Rashi says I think it's always nice to come across a Rashi which is fairly straightforward. That the, the, why Rashi has to say what he has to say is to refute an alternative understanding which obviously doesn't make sense. Now, is this a legitimate understanding of the Lamad here in La Isha? Um, uh, is it reasonable to say he built the side La Isha, Lihiyot Isha? And how can we prove that it, that is a reasonable interpretation? That is a legitimate understanding of the Lamad in that sense. How would we prove it? By finding another example. And that's what Rashi does. And he says, Kamo, as it says, Vayas oto gidon le'efod. So Gidon has a battle. And he wins. And there's lots of spoil. And he takes the spoil and he makes it into an ephod. It's not quite clear what an ephod is. In the, in, when it's one of the big day kahuna, it's like an apron thing. Does that mean Gidon made this thing into an apron thing? It's not clear. But he made it into something which, by the way, became a source for Avodah Zara, which was a bit of a mistake, and it turned out not to be so good. But we're not interested in that right now. We're just interested in the grammar. Vayas oto gidon le eifad. What does that mean? Well, Rashi tells us what it means. Lihiyot eifad. It means to be an eifad. So that, just to be doing it. So the Lamut, um doesn't have to mean he, built, he, he, he made it for an eifad as if on behalf of the aphod, like he made it and took it and said, oh aphod, here's something for you. That's not what it means. He made it to be into an aphod. Okay, that, that must be the interpretation. It's, it's, it's an unbi- unambiguous, which is why... An yeah, an aphod is an object. Okay, which is why it's unambiguous there, which is why it's a good proof text that it's a legitimate interpretation here. Okay, now I've been going a little bit faster than normal tonight, and that was deliberate, because I wanted to get the Pasuk Kaf um, I've also realized I haven't given a Rashi of the week relevant to this week's Pasha. If we end, have enough time at the end, I'll do that because there's something very nice I want to share with you. But meanwhile, I want to get the Posuk Kaf Gimel. Um, so, Posuk, oh, we haven't finished, well, we didn't really finish Posuk Kaf Bet, we finished the Rashi on it. So, Vayiven Hashem Elokim et Hatzela Asherakach min Haadam Leisha Vayavi'eha El Haadam. Hashem brought her to the man. So, the man was asleep. He wakes up and Hashem says, look, I've got something for you. It's a woman. And what does 
the man say? The man says this, Pasukaf Gimel, Vayoma Ha'adam, the man said, Zot Hapam, this time, Etzem Me'atzamai, a bone from my bones, Ubasarmi Vasari, and flesh from my flesh. And then he goes on to say, Lezot Yikare Isha, that's why she's called Isha, Ki Me'ish Lukha Zot, because she was taken from Ish. We will get to that later. But let's see what Rashi says on Zot Hapam. This time, Rashi says something staggering. And it comes from the Gemara. Melamed, this teaches, Shaba Adam al-Kol that Adam had relations, sexual relations, with every beast and living thing. And his mind was not cooled down Ad al until he had relations with Chava. Now, first thing to say, let's just do the simple thing. Why does Rashi get this idea? Because Adam says Zotapam, this time. And when he says, oh, this time I found bone from my bone, flesh from my flesh, what does that imply? That he's tried before. That there have been previous attempts which hadn't worked, and now this one works. Okay, so Rashi has to explain Zotapam. But Rashi says this thing, which I hope you, it's not just me who finds a little bit strange. The idea that Adam Harishan committed something which we regard as totally repugnant, and says Rashi, he had relations with all the animals. Now, at this point, I want to pass round an extra sheet, because I think this deserves further discussion. We got it. Okay. So we've read the Pasuk, which is Pasuk Kaf Gimel, which is quote number one on this sheet. We've just read the Rashi. Now let's see the Gemara. So for those listening at home, it's Gemara Yavama Samach Gimel Ahmad Aleph. And this is the source of Rashi's comment. For Amar Rabbi Elazar, my dichtiv zot hapam etzem atzamai u basari. Rabbi Elazar says, what, sorry, Elazar says, why does it say this time bone from my bone, flesh from my flesh? This teaches that Adam had relations with all animals and living things. And his mind was not comforted until he had relations with Chava. So this is a subject of much discussion amongst the Mephoshim. And in particular, I want to show you what the Go'arie, the Ma'aral, has to say and the Divrei David has to say. So the Maharal says that this comment of Rashi, in, this is quote number four, it's, we're learning the Go'arie on Rashi, he says, it comes from the Yavamat, it comes from the Gemara, so he's telling you where you find it, and then he says, For the, con- the explanation is not, I will re- repeat Chalila by Chas V'Shalom, Shaba Alehem Lemishkav, that he actually had sexual relations with them. Because Hashem had already commanded him about forbidden sexual relations. So says the Go'ariyeh, based on the Gemara in Sanhedrin, that says, Adam Arishan, by the way, what we call the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach, uh, the Gemara in Sanhedrin says they were all given to Adam. Why do we call them the B'nai Noach? Because the B'nai Noach were the ones who populated the world. But the Sheva Mitzvah were actually given before the Mabal, but were given to Adam HaRishon. And one of the Sheva Mitzvot is the prohibition of forbidden relations, which certainly includes animals. So how can it be 
that Adam Rishon transgressed what he'd already been commanded not to do. And how do we learn that? That's from Pasuk Vayetzav. The Gemara learns out that when it says Hashem commanded him not to eat from the fruit, he commanded him other things as well. So what does it mean? Elu perusho, but the meaning is, Now, we haven't got a lot of time, and I don't want to get too stuck in this, but the Maharal is bringing together an idea which he uses in many places about the difference between Surah and Chomer. Chomer can roughly be translated as stuff, substance, and Surah is the form, the form that is given to the substance. And when you give form to substance, you elevate it to a higher level. And Adam is the Tzura of all the species. Adam is the one who gives form to what otherwise would be unformed uh, existence. And Adam is the one who gives them completion by giving them Tzura. Now, we're, we're, we're touching on very uh, quite, quite complicated and, and profound, what I would call Maharalian ideas. So if you're just like, bear with me, that Adam's purpose is to give tzura, to give form to everything around him in the world, and by giving them tzura, he gives them completion. End of line three. And the tzura that he gives to it becomes connected to that which has that tzura. And man, thereby, because he gives tzura to the world, he is considered the tzura of everything in the lower worlds. The non-verbal living things, i.e. animals. And so what Adam Rishon does, and this is like, let's just call it, say deep for, to, to save time. He gives something, he gives an elevation to all the animals by imparting of his ability to give them form where otherwise they would be unformed. It's not unrelated, by the way, to giving them names and giving them identity. So then he says, V'zesha Amar, and this is what it means when it says, Shaba al-kol When it says in the Gemara, he had relations with all the living things, it doesn't mean that he had relations in a literal sense. Shahare yadua ki nimshal be'ish, so now he says something else. It's known that the relationship between the giver of the tzura and the receiver of the tzura is like the male and the female. Now, you can understand this a little bit, um, that the male gives forth a seed, which is then nurtured by the female. Uh, the, male gives the, 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 uh, the female brings the choma and the male brings the tzura. Again, I don't want to get too stuck into this. But what he's saying is, the ability of Adam to give this idea of tzura to the animals is equivalent to the relationship, to the physical relationship between male and female. And that is why, um, oh, the last words, and the joining of the tzura to that which it gives tzura to is called bia, which is the way we refer to the sexual act. So basically, Number one, it cannot be taken literally. The Mara doesn't say explicitly because that's so repugnant, but I think that's part of what's driving him. But he actually finds a source why it can't be taken literally because the Gemara says elsewhere that Adam Arishan had already been commanded about the prohibition of forbidden sexual relations, which certainly included animals. So that's why it can't be taken literally. So what does it mean? So says the Mara, it's a deep, profound idea, and it fits into a bigger picture that the Mara describes at length elsewhere. 
that Adam Rishon is what gives Shleimut to the physical world around him. And that completion of the physical world is akin and is metaphorically compared to a sexual relationship between male and female. That is the opinion of the Maharal. So don't think for one moment, says the Maharal, that it's to be taken literally that Adam Rishon engaged in bestiality. It doesn't mean that. Now, there's a wee problem with the Maharal. It's not actually a problem. Because if we look at the Rashi on the Gemara, in number five on your page, Rashi there on the Gemara says, Zot ha-pam, michlal, this tells you, the pa'amim acherim shimesh, that on other occasions he had relations below alubadato, and it didn't go up in his mind. It didn't like work out for him. So Rashi on the Gemara doesn't follow the Maharal. Rashi says it means he had relations. And Rashi there doesn't suggest it's some metaphor. Now, that's not really a problem because the Maharal can turn around to Rashi and say, I disagree. Now, the Maharal is always, almost always, the defender of Rashi. The Maharal, he writes writes the Gauriyeh, which is his commentary on Rashi. He will defend Rashi against the Ramban. He will defend Rashi against the Ibn Ezra except when Rashi himself doesn't follow Chazal. Because that, for the Maharal, is his creed, if you like, that Chazal are always right. When Rashi follows Chazal, which is most of the time, the Maharal defends Rashi. But when Rashi doesn't follow the uh, Chazal, then the Maharal says, uh, he actually sometimes castigates Rashi for not following the Maharal. So in this case, the Maharal would say, Rashi on the Gemara says that there actually were physical relations, but I, the Maharal, don't think that's what the Gemara means. So thank you very much, Rashi. I don't think that's what the Gemara means. The Divrei Dov... Yes? What does Rashi say on Sanhedrin when it talks about how... When it talks about... Um, he, knew, he knew about Galuia Um I don't know, but I might have an answer by the end. I didn't check Rashi on Sanhedrin, but I might have an answer by the end. The Divrei David. The Divrei David is better known to the students of the Shulchan Aruch as the Taz. Um, he writes a commentary on the Shulchan Aruch, which he's most famous for, uh, which is very, very important. And he also writes a Sefer, which is a commentary on Rashi, which often takes a different view from some of the other Mephoshim, uh, particularly from the Maharal. And he calls it the Divrei David. And he says on this in number six, the following. Malamei Shabbat al-Kol uh, quoting Rashi, this teaches that Adam had relations with all the animals. And in the chapter uh, in the Gemara, Perush Rashi, Rashi says what we just saw before. Rashi there on the Gemara says that it teaches you that on other occasions he had relations, i.e. with the animals, and he wasn't comforted by that. So, the Divrei David starts by pointing out, not only does the Gemara say that Adam had relations with the animals, Rashi makes clear on the Gemara that it's not a metaphor. I.e., the Maharal, he's disagreeing with the Maharal, without mentioning the Maharal's name. The Hukshim Mafarshim, and the Mafarshim asked the question, Hech how could Adam Rishon have relations with an animal? He's already been commanded not to have relations with forbidden things. And animals are included in forbidden relationships. As you find there in Sanhedrin. And that, says the Divrei David, drives other Meforshim to explain that he didn't literally have relations with them. 
but in some sort of mental sense he had relations with them. And with his wisdom, to know if his nature is the same as their nature. So it was like an intellectual exploration. That's what other Mephoshim say. But says the Divrei David, this doesn't make sense for Rashi. It doesn't fit. Because Rashi, as we saw on the Gemara, says explicitly that Adam had relations with the animals. So, if we're talking about what Rashi means, says the Divrei David, we have to accept Rashi's own testimony of Rashi on the Gemara that says it was relations. The Maharal, as I said before, would say, I'm not actually commenting on Rashi, I'm commenting on the Gemara, which Rashi has misinterpreted. That's what the Maharal would say. Anyway, back to the Divrei David. So, paragraph 7, he says, in truth, the people who ask this question have a lacking knowledge. They don't understand. Because we find the following uh, interesting um, agadata um, in the uh, Gemara Sanhedrin that talks about what happened on each hour of the man's first creation. And we don't need to go through the whole 12 hours. We just need to see a couple of them. And the way the Divrei David quotes it is like this. In the seventh hour, he was united and he had relations with Chava. In the ninth hour, he was commanded. So says the Divrei David, the commanding came after this event, after he met Chava. So in the, before he met Chava, he met the animals. After he met Chava, he was commanded not to have relations. So it turns out that at the time he met the animals, that command had not yet been given. Uh, so the command of this mitzvah was after the uni- uniting with Chava. And the fact that he had relations with the animals was before he had relations with Chava. Uh, and as we see explicitly in another Pasuk which tells us the prohibition of animals, that's Pasuk Kaftalot, So in Pasuk Kaftalot, which we haven't learned yet, that's how we learn that he didn't have relations with animals, and that's clearly after the relationships with Chava. Now, interestingly enough, in the Gemara, um, where it says he was commanded on the ninth hour, if you look in number nine, line four, it's not quite the way the Divrei David reads it. It's a little bit of a problem, and I don't know the answer to this. Because in the Gemara it actually says, Tishit, the ninth hour, Nitztava min ha'ilan. He was commanded not to eat from the tree. How did, the, if you're with me, how did the Divrei David understand what was the command of the ninth hour? Not to, not to have forbidden relations. Yeah, no. But that's not actually what the Gemara says. So I'll leave that as Sarach Ian. Uh, go on. Is it maybe only because when Tzivui, or whenever itself, by itself, um, Adam Hamishan was commanded, and we said that it was also with Galloway Arayot, yes. um, it was in regards to Ilanot, was it not? And it was in regards to originally, like even before. Um, yes, about so trees. maybe it's the same like, sort of... Ah, maybe, maybe, uh, very good. So maybe just like the Pasuk of a Yitzav, which the Gemara says wasn't just about trees, but was about all the Shiva Mitzvah, but Noach. 
So maybe when the, you're very good, maybe when the Dravri David says, when the Gemara says in the ninth he was commanded about the tree, that means he was commanded about everything. That's why he says he was commanded about Arayot. Okay, just read paragraph 8. He says, this is still with Dravri David, who says, there's no problem saying that Adam had relations with the animals because he wasn't commanded not to until a later time. So in number 8, he continues, and he says, V'yeshi hikshu hech lo nimas How was he not disgusted with relations with the animals. And that's not a question. Originally, all the creations were nice. And afterwards, they became loathsome. Like we see with the snake. The snake was originally walking and talking and, and became a sort of like a, a partner in the discussion between Adam and Chavra and the snake. And then afterwards, the snake was made into what we would recognize today as a snake. And says the Divrei David, that would explain other animals were also not obviously um, alien, and only later did they become clearly distinct. So I, I bring all that to show you uh, just a couple of the different ideas, and I think these two, as Adam had relations with the animals, Divrei David said, fine, that's no problem. Or is it to be understood as no, chas for shalom, there's no way Adam could have had relations with the animals, um, and we have to understand it metaphorically, as the Maharal did, and the Divrei David mentioned some others as well. Um, I have one minute to say something on the parsha. So, one minute. So, um, I, at the end of last week's parsha of Shemini, we have all the laws of forbidden animals, different type of forbidden, forbidden to eat, um, and the Tuma and Tara that arises from them. In fact, the focus really is not on Kashrut. The focus is on Tumantara. And in the beginning of this week's parsha, then we have lots more about Tumantara. In Tazria, we start with the Tumat Leda, the Tumma that comes when somebody gives birth. And then we go on to a lot of discussion about the Tumma that comes when somebody has Sarat. And in next week's parsha, there's other types of Tumma that people get. And Rashi has an interesting comment at the very beginning of the parsha. He says, Ishaki Tazria, Amar of Simlai, just as the creation of man came after that of all the animals at the time of creation, so the Torah of the, of the man is explained after the Torah of the animals. So the laws of animals, I, when animals become tame or give off tumah, is explained first. That was last week's parsha, And then you get to the laws of the tumah of man. And Rashi says that sort of matches up with the way that man was created after all the animals. So I'll just say very quickly, the Maharal says, what's going on here? Is this some sort of cute comparison? Oh, look, the order in that pasuk is the same as the order of this pasuk. Well, what, nobody, Rashi wouldn't waste our time with that. Furthermore, when Rashi uses the word kashem, just like um, in implying there's some sort of intrinsic connection, some sort of ideological, philosophical connection between the order of the creation of animals and man and the order of the Torah of animals and man. So very quickly, the Maharal says, you know why? Because Torah is the continuation of creation. When Hashem creates animals, he, he gives them all the skills and the abilities that they need to function, but they are only completed when they have the Torah. The Torah is the way we are completed because it tells us how we handle ourselves and handle the world. Without the Torah, completion, creation is not completed. That's why, as Rashi says, Yom Hashishi, the world was suspended until the sixth day of Sivan. Until the Jewish people accepted the Torah, that was what guaranteed the continuation of creation. 
because Torah and creation are not two separate things, they are the same continuum. So that makes sense here with Rashi, he's saying that we saw in Bereshit the first part of the creation, that animals came before man, and now here in Shemini and Tazria, we see the continuation and the completion of that process with the Torah of animals, followed by the Torah of man. We'll stop there. I'm sorry if I have a run by a minute, and we will be back again next week. Amir Hashem.